911. What's your emergency? I I think my son just had a seizure. Okay, ma'am. Can you describe what happened? I don't I don't know. He he was sick yesterday. I mean, he he had like a fever at night, and then but he seemed okay, and then then he woke up this he woke up this morning, and he was just sitting. He's just sitting on the floor playing, and then he started shaking all over. I think it was maybe a couple of minutes, but I don't know. It just seemed like forever. And what's your child doing now? I'm, I, I've got him. I'm, I'm holding him. He seems really sleepy, but I mean, he's not shaking anymore. I just, I mean, I, he has to see a doctor. Yes, ma'am. I understand. An ambulance is on the way to your home right now. And we'll take the rest of the episode from there. Welcome to Peed Soup. I'm your host, Jim McCarthy. So what's going on with this kid? If you're a savvy pediatrician, or if you read the episode title, you're probably thinking it's a febrile seizure. It's not necessarily the most exciting topic. Credit to my wife for the formatting idea and the voice acting to help spice things up. But it's an important one. Let's get started and decide what we need to do for this little guy. Febrile seizures are far and away the most common type of seizure in childhood. 3-4% of kids have at least one by the time they're 7 years old. The definition is pretty straightforward. It's a seizure in a child, usually between 6 months and 5 years old, who has a fever and does not have a nervous system infection or significant metabolic disorder. Basically, a seizure with no apparent trigger other than the fever itself. As common as they are, we really don't know exactly why febrile seizures happen. The fact that they're rearing kids younger than 3 months or older than 5-6 to years suggests that there's something about that particular window of brain development that makes them susceptible to seizures. The fever itself is also associated with the release of cytokines, which can excite the nervous system and trigger a seizure. There's also probably some level of genetic predisposition, since febrile seizures tend to cluster in families. More specifically, kids with a first or second degree relative with febrile seizures are at a higher risk of having one. Other risk factors include staying in the hospital after birth until 28 days old or later, parental reports of slow development, and attending daycare. A child with two or more of these risk factors has around a 30% chance of having a febrile seizure. As far as what illnesses can cause a febrile seizure, the answer is any of them that give you a fever. There hasn't been any kind of change in the incidence as new vaccines have been developed or as different diseases have come and gone. Some studies have shown that most febrile seizures are associated with upper respiratory infections, but that probably has more to do with the fact that URIs are such a common illness than any direct connection between the two. Even vaccines themselves can lead to febrile seizures. Don't worry, the link your cousin shared on Facebook about the dangers of vaccines is still very, very wrong. Vaccines are supposed to trigger an immune response, and a fever can be part of that response. As always, vaccines are safe and effective. So what do febrile seizures look like? It depends on the type. Simple febrile seizures account for the vast majority of cases, anywhere from 65 to 80%, depending on the study you check. They're defined as generalized tonic-clonic seizures that last for less than 15 minutes and don't recur in the 24 hours after the first episode. You'll see contractions and shaking of the face, arms, legs, or trunk. Like most generalized seizures, loss of consciousness and incontinence are fairly common. After the seizure, kids will often have a post-ictal phase, where they might be sleepy, confused, or even scared for a while while they recover. Complex febrile seizures are the ones that go outside the definition of simple in any way. The seizures could be focal, last longer than 15 minutes, recur within the same day, 
or any combination of those traits. You can still see the same loss of consciousness, incontinence, postictal phase, and shaking movements, but it's more variable. Complex febrile seizures are more likely to happen in kids who already have neurologic abnormalities at baseline. Febrile status epilepticus also falls under the umbrella of complex febrile seizures. The definition is the same as for any status epilepticus, seizures lasting longer than 30 minutes, either as a single episode or as a series without return to baseline, but the only identifiable trigger is the fever. Febrile status epilepticus accounts for about 5% of febrile seizures, but because such a large number of seizures in kids are febrile, it's one of the leading causes of status epilepticus. Once the child gets to the doctor, and first febrile seizures are going to come to the doctor because the parents are rightfully terrified, the number one thing to do is make sure the airway is protected, especially if he's still seizing or sleepy and postictal. If the seizure lasts longer than 10 minutes, you can give a rescue medication, usually diazepam, but most of the time it doesn't get to that point. Now let's get back to our little friend from the start of the episode and make sure we were right about him having a febrile seizure. He was sick yesterday. I mean, he, he had like a fever at night. So far, so good. Sounds like a typical kind of cold. And then he started shaking all over. Sounds generalized tonic-clonic to me. Check one box on the simple febrile seizure list. I think it was maybe a couple of minutes. Short duration? Check. This is right after the first seizure, so we won't know about recurrence for another 23 hours or so. But everything sounds like a simple febrile seizure. Of course, in real life, you'd get a more complete history and actually examine the child, but as the person who wrote the script, I assure you this was a simple febrile seizure. As a general rule, there isn't much workup needed. A thorough history and physical exam is always the starting point, and if the story fits for a simple febrile seizure, that's about all you need. The American Academy of Pediatrics' most recent guidelines came out in 2011 and make strong recommendations against imaging of the brain, EEG, and testing serum chemistry or blood counts unless something in the history makes you suspicious. Lumbar puncture used to be more broadly recommended, particularly in younger patients, but the updated recommendation says it's only necessary if there's something in the history or exam that makes you worried about meningitis or some other CNS infection. These are guidelines, not requirements, but the take-home point is that unless something doesn't sound right, you don't need much workup. Okay, our patient seems to be fine after a simple febrile seizure. We're not doing a big diagnostic workup, and there really isn't any treatment to be done. So what do we do now? The most important part of managing a febrile seizure is talking to the parents. It's really scary to see your otherwise healthy kid have a seizure, and they're going to have a lot of questions when you tell them it's nothing to worry about. What kind of questions? We'll bring back our worried mother to find out. Is he going to be okay? Yes, he is. The biggest thing to take from this episode is that as scary as they are, febrile seizures, especially simple febrile seizures, are benign. Kids recover well and don't have any long-term problems as a result. There's no evidence for increased mortality, brain damage, or cognitive impairment. In fact, in 2000, Kevin Gordon and his colleagues in Nova Scotia published a study in the Archives of Pediatric and Adolescent Medicine where they looked at whether or not kids who had had febrile seizures used more healthcare resources than those who didn't. They followed a group of kids who had had seizures and compared them to two control groups, one group that was healthy at the start of the study period, and one group that had fevers without seizures. Over the course of six to seven and a half years, the kids who had had seizures had nearly identical rates of healthcare utilization compared to the control group. Does he have epilepsy? Probably not. 
Having a febrile seizure can increase the risk that a child will develop a seizure disorder, but it's still a pretty low risk. According to the CDC, about 1.2% of people in the U.S. have epilepsy. The risk of having epilepsy after a simple febrile seizure is 2%, and after a complex febrile seizure, it's 5-10%. to 10%. Other things that increase the risk of a child having epilepsy after a febrile seizure are neurologic abnormalities or abnormal development prior to the seizure and a family history of seizures, all of which are associated with a higher risk of epilepsy even in people without febrile seizures. Will he need to be on medication? Almost definitely not. There's evidence that treating with anti-epileptic drugs can reduce the risk of recurrent febrile seizures, but since even recurrent seizures aren't associated with negative outcomes, the risks of medicating usually outweigh the benefits. The risk-benefit balance can be different in kids with complex febrile seizures or other risk factors for epilepsy, and in those cases it's probably worth talking things over with a neurologist. Sometimes you'll also see providers send families home with instructions to give scheduled Tylenol, ibuprofen, or both to help keep their child's temperature down. In theory, it's a reasonable idea. If you aren't febrile, you can't have another febrile seizure. And it's pretty low risk. But the evidence doesn't really back it up. In 2013, the European Journal of Pediatric Neurology published a meta-analysis on whether or not antipyretics prevented recurrent febrile seizures. The treated group had a 23% recurrence rate, compared to 24% in the placebo group. Should I expect this to happen again? Short-term, probably not. Long-term, maybe. It's rare to have two febrile seizures during the same illness, but around one in three kids will have a recurrence later in life. The main risk factors are young age at the time of the first seizure, there's a 50% recurrence rate in kids who have their first febrile seizure before they're one, a first degree relative with febrile seizures, a short duration between the onset of fever and the seizure, and a relatively low temperature at the time of the first seizure. Again, it's important to remember that even recurrent febrile seizures are generally benign. And that's our show on febrile seizures. Some summary points. Make sure you get a good history and exam to rule out the scary stuff. But if all of that checks out, you don't need any fancy workup. For test takers, keep in mind the risk factors for recurrent febrile seizures. A low temperature at the time of the seizure, a young age for the first seizure, short time between fever onset and seizure, and a first degree relative with febrile seizures. These seem to be fairly popular on tests, particularly when you're doing board review. Above all, Remember, febrile seizures are scary, but pretty harmless. Special thanks to my wife for the format idea and the voiceover work. If you liked today's episode, please give us a rating on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you have any comments, or if there's something you'd like to hear about on a future episode, you can email us directly at pedsoup, that's P-E-D-S-S-O-U-P, at gmail.com. I'm Jim McCarthy, and we'll be back next time with more Peds Soup.